0: We met on the gram. Became instant BFFs. And we're two girls here to empower women to be self-reliant. Hey, I'm Amy, founder of Alexa Athletica. And I'm Emily, the creator of Stami Tactical. And we are Not not Your your Average average Gun gun Girls.
1: We're calling on our friends, industry insiders, and speaking to people about major moments in their lives.
0: We talk guns, personal safety, shared lifestyle tips, and everything in between. So grab your coffee or your vuv because you you can sit with us. us.
1: Episode of Not Your Average, Average Gun, Gun Girls. Girls. How are you doing, Em?
0: I'm doing good. How are you? Doing fantastic. I'm excited for today's guest. We've been talking about having him on for a
1: long time. Well, getting him on our the schedule, schedule you know, is crazy. Just insane. This guy is insane. Y'all are going to love this episode today. We have the founder and creator of Black Guns Matter, Mr. Majture himself. You're going to love what he has to say and to fill you in on. So let's jump right on into it. Hey, hey. <laughs> Give you some time to finish your breakfast there. <laughs> Look at you.
0: Oh, I'm digging this gallon of water
1: situation. I know. Do you do that every day? A gallon? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you really?
2: Especially in the summertime.
1: I mean, but I know this is really personal, but how do you get anything done? Because I would be just like running to the bathroom every five seconds. Right. Does your body just start to get used to it at some point?
2: You get used to it, but the key is to drink a little bit throughout the day.
0: So tiny sips.
2: A little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit.
1: Okay, Okay. so what time do you start drinking your water? And what time do you end?
2: Four thirty in the morning, and I don't put anything in my body after like nine o'clock at night. Even
0: water, no water after nine?
2: Mm Mm-mm. because generally my bedtime is around 11. And if because if I'm up at 4, 4.30, I want my, I, now I'll have water as the last thing. Sure. Kind of like settle in, but by the side of my bed, I have a Brita filter and pitcher with cucumbers, lemons and all of that, just at room temperature. And I just let that water and that was cucumbers and lemon and ginger sit in there overnight. So that's the first thing that I bang as soon as I wake up. No apples, no pop. apple cider vinegar. Only only when I'm trying to seriously like detox. Mm-hmm. If I'm trying to seriously detox, apple cider vinegar is the way. Now, the the trick too is I usually wash all of my fruits and veggies in apple cider vinegar with water.
1: <sighs> oh, well, that's an interesting didn't know way to, to get that in. For those who hate drinking apple no, cider awful. vinegar. It is awful. I only do it because it one it's one of those ringing. things I'm like, oh, I feel like it's doing it's something true. for my body, so I'm okay with the nasty taste. Yeah. You know, I, I've even started good. like putting it on my salads and stuff just to get it in so mm-hmm. I don't have to try to drink it. But also, why are you getting up at 4:30 in the morning?
2: I'm at the gym by six. Jeez. Is your gym an hour and a half away? No, but <laughs> do i got to eat-before you, eat like, before you <laughs> work out. And just get get like um Mentally ready for the day, evaluate, you know, move the day with intention. Wake up. I mean, the night before I've already pretty much planned and mapped out my schedule for the day. But when you wake up at 4:30, sometimes I might be outside, especially early in the morning. There's a lot of negative ions, which are good for you. If you go outside and breathe that air, like the dew, it's like electrical charges and stuff like that. If you take go bare feet, go outside in the grass, get grounded. And if I want to have coffee, I usually, I used to drink like three cups of coffee a day, but now I'm down to like maybe two a week. And Saturdays especially is my coffee day. So because of that, I'll sometimes have coffee when it's still kind of like calm outside, barefoot in the grass and things like that. So that that 4.30, because let's say I leave for the gym, maybe at like 5.20 to 5.40, right-ish. But during that hour, 50 minutes to an hour, is just to kind of like organize your thoughts and like move, create that day with intention.
1: Are you, you know into the, Are you into the shocking your body with extreme heat and extreme cold after you do your workouts?
2: It depends. Sometimes, like once a month, I'll hit the cryo freezer. You know what I'm saying? Like just to to do that. But some people do cold showers. It, there's a benefit to it. But the guy that used to um, that came up with the therapy for like sports therapy for like ice knees. Yeah he since then retracted that ice in and of itself doesn't necessarily help you on um recovery but cold temperatures can because it just kind of like makes the body kind of go like oh yeah and cold is a preservative that's why we put you know dead flesh in the freezer yep um to slow the aging and death process you know what i mean yeah so um in regards to like so my daughter's at soccer right now and uh when she's not in the house, I will like right now, I don't have air conditioning on. Like it's a hundred-something degree. Well, y'all in Texas, so y'all know <laughs> yeah. how it's. Been. But um, just acclimating your body to extremes. So if you thrust into it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like I was I just started learning how to swim a couple of months ago. Cause my daughter, I put her in swimming, and I first thought to myself, like, man, if anything happens to her in our pool. I'm an idiot. Cause I can't do anything. Right. Like, there's nothing I could do. So I started taking swimming and sometimes in the winter, you know, our pool is heated and if the heater was broke and I was like, yo, like I have to, um, swim in the cold. Cause if I'm on a plane and if I'm in the winter and if the plane goes down and if it's cold, you just got to deal with it, bro. Like you just have to like not die. So some of those things I subject myself to over time just be, just because you just need to be better at it. Right. One of my good buddies, his name is Akil. he runs Taylor Defense Training Group, Special Forces dude, Master Drill Sergeant, Green Beret, all of that, sniper, jump school, y'all know how that go. We do 72-hour courses with him where we're outside in the woods in the wintertime, summertime, different terrains. Yo, so what if it's cold? So what if it's hot? Like, you got to survive in different conditions. And sometimes when you're in a sit scenario, it may not be favorable. Like the bad guy isn't going to be like, are you comfortable right now? <laughs> like, you I mean,
0: Do you need a jacket? You know? <laughs> so true. I feel like that's a whole yes. other side of Maj that a lot of people don't know about this, like Zen wellness, spiritual, just kind of setting that intention because I don't know, like all the things that I've seen on social media and when I've seen you speak, that's not something you ever, you really ever talk about. And I think That's an interesting aspect. That's what I love. If
1: you, if you really follow him closely, I mean, I remember, and by the way, everybody, we're here with Shrey, founder of black guns matter. Um, (laughs) just jumping right in and talking about his healthy lifestyle and mindset is really what I I got out of that. And, um, you know, you said something really interesting about us needing to put ourselves in extreme conditions Mm -hmm. or something, because, I don't think our society, like we love to be comfortable, and I think that's a mm-hmm. big part of what's going on. Like a, a big part of why we're seeing the demise of so many things is right. like nobody wants to get out of their comfort zone to help other yeah. people or to help themselves or to. And and it's not until they're put in that situation that they might be like, oh man, I should have mm-hmm. probably been a little bit more proactive in maybe making myself uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So, if
2: you train. When you train, right, you're supposed to train so it's more difficult than the actual thing that happens. Mm-hmm. I can hear myself. On side. Well,
1: but have you always been like this? I mean, take us back to, obviously, we want to know why, how you started Black Guns Matter. But what were you doing? When did you start Black Guns Matter, and what were you doing before that?
2: Um. So I did a few things before this. Um one was uh I sold movies, uh, like DVDs when DVDs were a thing. I sold weed. I have one um movie conviction on my jacket to sell movies. Um cuz that's like illegal to sell movies, right? Um but I did everything. I sold I sold pretty much everything. Um I sold a lot of weed. Uh And I used to rob drug dealers. So that was my job before I started Black Guns Matter, And that's where a lot of the situational awareness comes from because when you rob, now let me put a disclaimer on that. At the time, how I justified robbing drug dealers was, um, they're selling drugs and they must be the bad guys. I no longer think that. it's, It's intellectually inconsistent for me to say that those were the bad guys and I drink alcohol, I smoke cigars those are drugs. Black sugar is a drug. It's it's like six times more addictive than cocaine. I think that the war on drugs has been the most horrible thing for urban communities generally. And it's a huge contradiction because what someone wants to do with their body and whatever they want to ingest, the government shouldn't have anything to do with that. But the government picks and chooses which one they say is okay, even though cigarettes, if if I'm not careful, cigars, I don't smoke cigarettes, but cigars, if you smoke too many of those, that leads to lung cancer. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like there's, there's it's clear. um, so my justification for that then is not how I, I view it now. Um, but the reason why I would rob them is because they couldn't tell. And most dudes that hustle, you don't want to catch the drug charge and the gun charge. So most of those guys would not have a firearm. Huh? And so uh-huh. they, oh. there's, you know, it could be dangerous if they come to you later, but in that moment, dudes don't want to catch the gun and drug charge. Right. So most of the times their situational awareness was horrible. They did not have a firearm on them. And it's just really, really, um, it's not easy, but it's, it's, I just justified it by. Um, it still going you guys were in the game, you know, and they knew what came with that. Now, I, to be clear, I also have never robbed a regular citizen. And when I say regular citizen, I mean somebody not in the game. I don't mean, because they're still a citizen of America. Um, but I just thought that was, really lame to like rob little old ladies or people that first of all that person is like going to work for like 50 hours a week as opposed to i can rob you on a friday night you get maybe four grand and just go have fun okay so
1: you're living this life you're you're hustling you're selling everything that you can you're making money when what happened at what point in your life did you decide okay i want to do something different with my life and go down this path that I want to start helping people, um, with, with what you're doing now?
2: The irony is I always helped people. Like I always like when I had a job at like foot locker or whatever, I always, I never wanted to take advantage of like, um, uh, this is so ironic given that that was a part of my history. I never want, I never liked people to take advantage of weaker people. Right. Even even down to me, like robbing hustlers is a very dangerous. That job has occupational hazards. But those people are not generally looked at as the weaker of us. When I was in high school and I sold weed, everybody smoked. So the guys that sold other things in school, they would would get weed, too, off me. But so would like the kids, like the freshmen and juniors that like playing like Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon cards. But I wouldn't let the guys that sold harder drugs pick on those guys because it's like, yo, why are you picking on somebody that don't want it? You know what I mean? And so I always had this mentality of like, yo, like almost like on some Robin Hood shit. And so after being introduced to certain concepts about liberty, then I started to kind of go like, you know, when you start learning about the war on drugs and how it's, it's a racket You learned, you know, I'm a libertarian now, but this was early me just being exposed to liberty. That was me coming out of being I was yeah, I was I was a Democrat, but then I just started studying more and um and then starting putting that stuff into action. And then I made music as well. Fast forward, I would travel around the country selling my own music independently, and I would have relationships with people in whatever city I went to, but then if I would come back. They caught a gun charge. You know, I'll do the same thing in a different city, and they caught my other homie caught a gun charge. And these weren't like they shot somebody, gun charges. It was they just had a gun, gun charges. You know, and so and seeing that, I'm like, man, that's that's and that was that that's crazy, and that was the catalyst for me starting Black Guns Matter. Mm -hmm. This information is here. I know guys that literally, one dude was 25 years old. He worked at the bank. He bought a firearm, you know, in the regular gun store. And he did not know that he had to fill out $20 in in Philly and some paperwork and get a license to carry. He gets pulled over, he tells the police officer he has his firearm, this, that, and the third. He still catches the charge, but he gets fired from his job because technically he's got a gun charge. And so for me, it's just like, yo, this is just information. Now, to me, also in this evolution, it's like that you have a gun, we should charge you for having a gun, shouldn't even be a thing. But earlier on in 2015, when this started happening, I just was like, nah man, we can solve this. Like I've I've always had guns. You know, my mom didn't even know I had guns until after I like started BGM. But that that's primarily because it was, I have information by operating in a different sphere of the world that the general public doesn't, concealing firearms, um, uh uh, you know. Just just things, just knowing about firearms. And it's like, yo, I have this information that I've had to almost be closeted about, and people are catching legitimate cases that don't even take a third of the risks, a quarter of the risks that I take. So we just said, you know, going into the 2016 election, um, uh, presidential election, we just said, we kept hearing, we need, a, we need a voter's registration drive, voter's registration drive. And me and my friends was like, oh, well, we need a license to carry drive, like half jokingly but also serious. And that's how Black Guns Matter was born. It was going to be one event. It was going to be one event. And we anticipated maybe 30 people showing up. Like 300 people came to this. I'm talking about people came from like Brooklyn. This was in Philly. They came from Jersey. And it it, it highlighted (laughs) another thing like, damn, the folks don't even know the we got different municipalities. Like Mm -hmm. you're asking me about questions and from my city, from your city, but I'm like, bro, the rules are different there. So that's when we started up with the, we're going to do a 25, excuse me, a a 13 city tour to mirror the first 13 colonies Hmm. and like do this. And we raised like, we was like, we're going to raise 25 grand and that should pay for it. And we did that. And um, right after that, uh, everybody was like, we got emails from people like, man, that's messed up. You didn't come to our town. That's mm-hmm. messed up. You only care about big cities. Well, so and I thought it was like, yo, I started as one event. Let's yeah. do 13 cities. And it just continued to grow. And so that's in essence how the thought process that was me, that led into me going, oh, I know this answer. You know what I'm saying? I just never gatekeeped. And that's that's a big part of what I've noticed in the Second Amendment uh, gun industry and the Second Amendment community As it relates to media, as you become more famous, you you start to recognize there's a lot of fucking gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I just was never... So for example, right? When you sent me the gear for um, the the collab that Alexo has with uh, Springfield, Springfield, right? Everybody was like... Because I have like... uh, What do you call them? Hellcats. I got like three Hellcats and this, that, and the third... But but everybody was kind of like, well, are you gonna do it? Because I'm like, bro, like, you. She sent me the gear. Like the the clothes are cool. I want to wear them. Like, this this mentality of like, to help, you have to get something for it. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that I never subscribed to, just because I don't know where it came from. I just was always like, yo, I'll help. You know what I'm saying? And I just I just I just really really dislike that. And as as you become more famous or prominent, um, which I think it shouldn't even be something that a second amendment activist should aspire to mm-hmm. be. You should be more wanting to, my challenge is, I want us to do, who's going to do the most work? Yeah. Who's going to bring more people into the community? Who's going to protect these liberties for 50 generations from yeah. in moving forward? And if you happen to become known for that, then awesome. Right. You know, but uh, these were the, the, the you know ingredients that led into me as a human, and then led into me going like, "Yo, I want to help these people." Yeah. And then to be able to help people for free was a whole nother thing. So that's I know I went a roundabout way, but that's pretty much the the the, the perfect storm that created sure. me well, into this level and what. Is and I got a question
1: because you know you said you had people coming from Brooklyn and Jersey and these places that I mean, to my mm-hmm. knowledge, those people can't even conceal carry mm-hmm. in those places. So was it shocking? to see the need and the want from these people that maybe they knew or they didn't know they didn't even have the ability to conceal carry. And then what from there did you find a responsibility of teaching them like and saying, hey, it's the people that you're, I mean, we gotta vote for people or vote for policies that will stop keeping you from being able to exercise your right. I mean, where where did you find your responsibility in that?
2: That came later, so that first class, my father, who I hadn't seen in a while, came to that very first class. My father Mm -hmm. carries a gun now because of me. Really? Mm -hmm. And so it was not like my, it's not like a sob story. Like my dad wasn't around, but we just, you know, I moved around, I was doing what I was doing and we we just weren't in contact. Mm -hmm. And he heard about it and came to the class. And um, those were the things kind of like, you know, some of our classes, we start to see, um, when We were doing this and this was in 2016. We did all of our classes in Philly in 2016 before we started going on a tour in like 2017, 2018. But we would have a grandmom, a mom and a daughter come to the class all first time gun on, first time gun handlers, like never touched a firearm before. Um, and those were the things that I'm like, yo. But then I knew most of these people that were coming were Democrat. And I saw the level of great PR that the left had done. And I, and we all Americans, we all humans, but I saw the propaganda and I'm like, man, I got to, I got to approach this propaganda a different way. Something that my grandmother used to say was, um, respect the devil. You think that you're smart, but the devil is ancient. So all of the things that you think you're pulling over on the devil, the devil's probably seen this a thousand times before. So for me, knowing that that programming was so devilish and like to tell someone that they shouldn't have the means to defend their life is i mean the best word i could use for that is devilish it's Mm -hmm. like it's super evil and dumb and so for me i had to approach that propaganda very very um delicately Mm -hmm. so we just led with informing peoples we had a two-tier plan the first plan was just make urban america black americans and i say black americans not to discard anybody else but that's where gun control was started, to yep. stop Black people from having the means to defend themselves. Yep. So if we can get that hard demographic first, then we can move on. But the, the initial goal was, which we accomplished within three years and under $300,000, was to make Black America be the new largest gun-buying demographic in America. Mm-hmm.
1: And it is. And we did it. Yeah. Yep. And
2: we did it, like, damn near three years in a row since then. Like, the numbers are increasing. But then after that, after you get someone to have an understanding that this is important, they're almost kind of gonna go like, not support anybody that is gonna say a politi- a politician that would say, you shouldn't have the right to defend your life. Mm-hmm. If, if if we've gotten this person that is purchasing a firearm, everybody's not rich. You you get a brand new Glock out of the box. You spending six. Don't let you have some you know like extra bucks and get a H yep. and K like. Yep. You to to now tell that person, this purchase that you just made is yep. potentially going to make you a felon. There's no way that that person is going to listen to that person yep. the same way that politician. Well, I always say that. So I that tell- was the second. I
1: tell everybody, I said, the most important thing you can do as an American citizen is go and buy a gun, Mm -hmm. is exercise your right, because you are going to be 10 times more likely to fight and push back against any politician, Republican and Democrat, who wants to take away your right to defend yourself. And I'm like, if you don't exercise your rights, you're going to lose them. And people just don't understand. You know, the ones who don't really care about the Second Amendment are probably people that don't own a firearm. Mm -hmm. So the best way to get in and start listening to what these politicians are saying is to go out, buy a firearm, get your training, and actually start thinking about you needing to defend yourself. And it would probably change a lot of these politicians, the way that they vote and what they do if we put more pressure on them, on both sides of the aisle. This is not a Democrat thing. This is a Republican and Democrat issue. And Maj, those women or even-
2: As we're seeing right now with all of this, you know, uh, gun control legislation being supported by rhinos. See me personally, The beauty of my situation is I'm a libertarian, so I get to, like, critique. Everyone gets to do it. But I'm not super aligned with the duopoly, either side of the Mm -hmm. duopoly. My work is primarily done in democratic cities, and most of my friends and family are democrat. But I can be critical while still giving love to them. I I, I speak at all of, you know, the so-called right-leaning events, but I'm still able to be critical of that because I don't have the allegiance to my highest alignment is to the truth yeah. and, and, and human rights as codified in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. But the people that generally are opposed to it, I usually let them be opposed to it. Um, and then something happens to them. When something, ha- and not wishing it on them, but it just goes right. this way a lot of times. You know, like um, Kim Kardashian used to be super um, anti-gun. Mm-hmm. Then she was in, I think, somewhere in Paris and got robbed. Yeah. <laughs> and then... She had armed security now. And her sister, Chloe is like, she shoots, she goes to Tehran tactical yeah. and shoots and all of this other stuff. When I was at CPAC a few years ago, uh, uh, I was chopping it up with, uh, um, what's the, uh, uh, I want to be respectful to, uh, he transitioned and he ran for governor, uh, their, their dad,
1: um, Oh, uh, Caitlin,
2: Caitlin. Yeah. Caitlin. And we chopping it up about guns and all Mm -hmm. that other good stuff. And so my my, my point in saying that is the people, when something happens to them or when you can explain what happened to someone else, maybe that they love or they care for, Mm -hmm. and you can kind of show empathy for them. They generally are more open and receptive to the lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate that it sometimes has to go that way, but we're going to take, we're not going to just let anti-gun folks use the crisis to be a benefit. Now I'm not saying exploit the crisis. I'm saying, Hey, you may be more open to this. Now, if you don't want to get a firearm, can we get you in some hand-to-hand combatives? Mm -hmm. Can we get you in, you know, some, some bear spray or whatever level of comfort, but in usually by easing your way in that way. Yep. I've I've found that some people will say, if they were um, not long ago, anti-gun, and you ease in and just be there for them with empathy, even if you give them the mm-hmm. more non-lethal options, they tend to go like, yeah, but I know that I could carry a knife, but I'd still have to be close to the guy mm-hmm. to cut him. Mm-hmm. What about a firearm? And, and <laughs> we're open. So we at Black Guns Matter, we kind of just like Planet Fitness. We just let everybody, bro, <laughs> just come on in. You know what I'm saying? And so that we've made a lot of headway in that regard by just being that way, empathetic to people, because sure. we understand that the propaganda of the anti-gun regime is very strong, it's very ancient, and we just respect the devil.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's part of the mindset of that, of, we always talk about, about this lifestyle, is you start thinking about those types of things. And like you said, Maj, if you're going to carry a knife, you have to be somewhat close. Eventually, the people who are hearing the stories of things happening to someone else, they're going to realize that, well, eventually I'm going to need, I'm going to need something stronger. I'm going to need something that, that has that stopping power. Mm-hmm. So that evolution of, yeah, I've got situational awareness. I've got the mindset. I'm, and I'm ready to embrace this. But eventually once they start hearing the stories and hearing, yeah. you know, what they can and cannot do, they're like, okay, yes, this is, this is something I need yeah. to start Why are really thinking seeing, about like, the
1: rise in the inner city of people now starting to take hold of their, their personal safety? I mean, is it because they're just now realizing that there's more violence? I mean, like, what, what's going on that they now want to start owning firearms?
2: For the last five years, we were blown beating this drum and going to those places. The Demo- So the Second Amendment community does a horrible job or establish bigger organizations, with a few exceptions. And not just Second Amendment organizations, more so-called right of center uh, political parties, right? The Republicans, you know, the first thirteen black senators were Republican. They very rarely talk about that. They don't highlight that in urban America. Big gun organizations tend to ignore anti-gun places. that's That's a problem because Democrats show up or anti-gun folks, or what of again, of whatever persuasion, political persuasion, They show up even if it's just to lie to you. There was a time when I would like pick up girls at bars, right? And it was so stupid in hindsight, but it was a thing that me and my friends did. And these were all lies. These were absolute lies. Especially like towards the end of the club, it's two, three o'clock in the morning, the lights are coming on, and you haven't like scored yet. You haven't figured out the young lady that you're gonna take back to your place or go to her place. The The lies go into overdrive. Oh, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever saw. This, that, oh my God, I want to marry. Just absolute lying. There was so much more in the mad dash of a scramble at that last lights come on, last call at the bar. Um, I was able to get so many great, beautiful women to have consensual engagements with me based off of those extreme lies that's what anti-gunners are. And the moment of them attempting to convince you to operate in your own disinterest. Now, obviously it was a woman's interest and my interest for us to hook up. And this is a very crude guy, caveman example. However, it's very similar. That fear or loneliness kickstarted not only for that night or failure or scare convinced, and even some of those women, yo, I got to you know, at the time, I think I was driving uh, whatever car or truck. I got this outside. There were certain things that we would do. Not, I never did this, but my friend had very good success with it. He would keep like Porsche keys that are like, not, wasn't even his car. But he would keep that and the person would see like, yo, if you miss out on me, then I don't know what to tell you. There was a mad dash of lying happening to those women. Same thing with the anti-gunners. There's such a mad dash of lying happening. And now with the advent of people like me going into those communities going, yo, they're lying, bro. Look, this is the lie right here. Here's a lie. So many people don't even know that 60 to damn near 70% of like so-called gun violence is suicide, you know? So we just started going into the communities and, and telling people and doing the work. There's so many times I heard Yo, don't go to those places. They're anti-gun in the beginning, and I'm like, yeah, that's the point. So the the anti-gun folks, and usually it's Democratic politicians, they are there to lie, and they have more success because people's attention spans are short. They don't remember to lie. Like you know, less than two years ago, maybe a year and some change, President Biden was saying, "You're not going to get the virus if you have these vax, if you get these vaccines." <laughs> right. And he's double jabbed and double boosted. And he has has supposedly been tested for COVID, but everybody doesn't have that attention span and that memory. Mm-hmm. So they show up to lie and us seemingly on the right, we don't show up. Yep. So for us, it, was, it's, it cost us some time and some crowdfunding. And the only reason why we haven't gotten more black men, because black women are the newest, largest yep. gun yeah. buying demographics. But because of policies by Joe Biden in the 90s and the 2000s and so forth and so on, um, a lot of those Black men are prohibited possessors. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to be very clear. I don't care if you're a convicted felon. I don't care. I don't care if you carry so-called illegally, because it's not illegal. The supreme law of the land is the Second Amendment. There's not an asterisk next to it that says, unless you were convicted of a crime and then paid your debt to society. This is a human right. For us to tell a guy that, let's say if he sold, like I sold weed, cannabis is still, even if you have a dispensary and it's legal in your state, cannabis is still schedule one, which means the federal government thinks cannabis and heroin are the same thing. So you can get football numbers in jail for weed. Mm-hmm. It's a prohibited substance. So who am I to tell a guy that went to jail for weed, for selling weed, especially non, you know, nonviolent guys? That when he comes out of jail, he no longer has the right to defend his life. So I don't care about if you're a convicted felon. I do not care. I do not care. What I care about is, however you came across this firearm, are you now safe and responsible with it? So even that messaging and sharing it that way to the general public in urban demographics, they recognize that we weren't being contradictory. Mm -hmm. You cannot say, that's like guys that have a thin blue line sticker on their thing and then have a... I shall not comply sticker on your thing. It's 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 an oxymoron. <laughs> this is a message based in the actual second amendment, void of any of these other falsehoods or whatever you believe that you, generally what happens in urban America, if someone even does go in there to address it, they just wanna like hit people with, well, you're a convicted felon. You come to our classes, we generally use cert pistols. These cert pistols are not firearms. I do not care if you are—you have a straw-purchased gun. I do not care. I do not care. I do not care that you're married to a woman and she has a license to carry and you guys purchase guns. Oliver North is a convicted felon. And he famously says, my wife has the largest gun collection of any one that I've ever known. Now, am I taking a jab at Oliver North? No. What I'm saying is, If you do the wrong thing with that tool, I want you to have a speedy trial. I want you to have a jury of your peers and I want you to be convicted and do your fucking time in jail. If you have that firearm to defend yourself, I don't care about your history. That's all I care about. And Mm so presenting that message that way, it inspires people that are convicted felons. It inspires people that may not be convicted because I don't want it to look like everybody in urban America is a convicted felon. It inspires that demographic to understand that I'm actually just about the Second Amendment and you having the means to protect your life. Mm-hmm. And that other conversation about the nuance of should violent felons, blah, 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 that's already been clarified in the Second Amendment, but I don't get in the weeds of that. And so that was very impactful for us. And that, along along with other things, the way that I look, the way that I talk, the way that I completely tell people when I'm in New York, I tweet, my exact location is here. I'm, I'm doing Rupert Murdoch's. I'm in Rupert Murdoch's building in Fox. Yes, I have a firearm, mm-hmm. you know? Wait, you and can I'm carry a to, firearm to it to, in, in New York? Every time I'm in New York, really? I carry a firearm. Everywhere I go. I was in Cali a couple mm-hmm. last month. I had a firearm. I flew into LAX, LAX mm-hmm. from Reno, Nevada, because I was there for the Libertarian um, National Convention. And I flew from Reno into LAX with a firearm. Mm-hmm it's the weirdest thing too it came out on the conveyor belt
1: i've done it before and they basically well they thought i was law enforcement they said thank you for your service when they handed me my firearm (laughs) i was going for a training and i'm like i'll take it you know whatever let's just not go there so you're you're kind of under the more of the mindset of like you know if you see signs that say you cannot carry here you're just going to take the fine the punishment whatever it is that if you were in a situation where you had to use your firearm defensively, you're just saying, screw it, I'm gonna take whatever comes my way. I'm gonna defend myself.
2: Absolutely, because I have, Brandon from Firearms Policy Coalition is a friend of mine. High ranking people, Eric Pratt is a friend of mine, Gun Owners of America. Even though I don't really bang with the NRA direction right now, some of the you know leading folks over there, I can get on the phone. My situation and who I am, I have enough attorney friends that I probably wouldn't, they'd probably take the case for me pro bono. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to fight it all the way up to the United sure, States Supreme right. Court uh-huh. if they take the case. Yep. So I'm willing to rumble something for the next 10 years. I sure. got time. Um, so even at our classes, I explain to people the license is an infringement, but it's absolutely easier to have a license. Mm-hmm. You know, it's absolutely easier. Um, um, and if each person has to search, search their, their soul. soul. So I My tell mind. both ends of it. Because um, a, a, a catching a gun charge is gonna cost you. If you don't got a hundred racks laying around, you might not want to catch that gun charge. Uh-huh. So right. I'll help you, but I, then I'll also say, I'll help you to get your license to carry, but yeah. I'll also say, hey man, let's also politically organize to get these rules overturned. Sure. That shouldn't be a thing.
1: Well, isn't it personal you know? responsibility? So, I mean, don't we preach personal responsibility mm-hmm. all the time in the 2A community? And it truly does come down to that, right. I mean, and you taking responsibility for whatever consequences come your way, if you decide that That's, this yeah. is the lifestyle that you're gonna live.
2: Yeah, because, because I was doing it the whole time. I didn't even have a driver's license till like after I started BGM. Like I never had a driver's license. Like I would, the irony is I'm probably, because I've driven dirty since I was like 16, I'm a really safe driver. Like is that what riding, riding dirty means? Yeah, it's it's your it has different levels and connotations. Yeah. Sometimes That's it really could like, just be you riding a We had this conversation, license.
0: but maybe we didn't.
2: Sometimes it could mean you're riding like me. I was riding without a license. Sometimes it could mean you're riding without a license and you got paraphernalia in the trunk. It can mean a multitude of things. But either way, if you don't have a driver's license, if you get pulled over, they can t- they can impound your vehicle. Huh. So we're doing the 10 and 2, we're doing the speed limit, we're doing the all of our you know <laughs> signaling taillights yeah. are working, <laughs> headlights are working. Yeah, I'm a really, really safe driver. I don't speed. First of all, I'm not trying to give extra revenue to the state. That's not <laughs> what I'm doing, you know, and so. The guys that are that have changed their lives around, then okay, they're a convicted felon for whatever reason. They went to jail, they did their time. Those guys that are still in the same city, just because you got your life together, the people that you had issues with, they do not care that you got your life mm-hmm. together. Yeah. They're trying to murder you. Yeah, And it's irresponsible of me to tell this guy in Chicago, yo bro, just put the gun down, because you know, that's stupid. That guy's gonna be if if he's changed his life around and he's gonna carry a firearm still, that guy similar to me is gonna be the most conflict avoiding person that you have ever met. Yeah,
1: but does, doesn't if they come it to go, our classes
2: and we talk about,
1: does it not like, prove your point to say you know when you're trying to get people armed you know if there are going to be convicted felons that you say everyone should have a firearm, then everyone should have a firearm. Because Mm -hmm. we know that there are still gonna be people who are going to do bad things with that firearm, but then that's where you've gotta take the personal responsibility to say, I'm not gonna leave and depend on the cops to come and protect me. If we're saying everyone should be armed, then everyone should be be armed. And everyone should take responsibility for their safety.
2: This is the area where I always push back against bigger national organizations because they use this phrase law abiding. All of the statutes that are not in alignment with the second amendment are null and void. They're irrelevant. They are not law. They are statutes that municipalities or even states have created to attempt to supersede the supreme law of the land. They are not valid. So when you say law abiding, the law used to be, I as a black man would not have the human right to defend my life. Mm-hmm. If I accept that, then I'm, 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 I'm not right. That law is not right. When racism and, and Jim Crow and you know segregation, these things are not human rights. Mm-hmm. This place called America is natural and human rights and natural law codified to check the government, not to put more rules on the people. And so in explaining that to people, we are presented with very harsh questions. Like for example, if you're gonna be intellectually consistent, I have children, my daughter is six years old, a pedophile that if I get my hands on you, if I catch you attempting to violate my daughter, Hopefully, you could get away before I get to you. But let's say you get away and then you're apprehended and taken to court. Here's a harsh statement that most people will not say. After he pays his debt to society and to my estate, because he violated my estate, he even has a right to defend his life. He actually should try to have something to defend his life when he comes out of jail, because I'm still going to be looking for you. <laughs> right? Yeah. So most people we pick and choose mm-hmm. and that's where we show an intellectually inconsistent mm-hmm. space in our argument, because we aren't, we, if we're second amendment absolutists, yep. right. purists, yeah, which is true. what America was founded on, it can't just be for the guys that I like. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It, it can't just point. be for, you know, if, if you're, if I'm not a fan of government overreach, I would oppose government mandating, everyone has to have a gun. No, they, I don't think government should mm-hmm. have anything to do with that. And if you make a rule saying, if you don't have a gun in my city, you're gonna get fined, I would champion against that. Yeah. Because government can't overreach. The intellectually inconsistent part is what allows some of the bigger organizations to do a whole lot of fundraising because like me lying to women at a nightclub at the last hour, it's fear mongering, mm-hmm. it's deception. Mm-hmm and that helps with fundraising. If I was better at being evil or not even evil, deceptive, I could I could absolutely raise more funds. I could just scare people. This is not about fear. This is about education and information mm-hmm. and, res- and 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 shifting that culture back in that direction. So, it's going to take us longer to get to. I mean, again, our first goal was $25,000. We've raised over it's kept going. And we would get to $100,000 and we would think we're done and people would be like, keep going. We got the $250,000 and people were like, yo, make the goal a million dollars so you can buy your building outright. But my point is, if I was just scaring people instead of focusing on education, mm-hmm. I would have. we would have got that million dollars in fundraising a lot faster. Yeah. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But that's not the principled stand. Yeah. That's not what America does not need more of the scare tactic and mm-hmm. division. Yeah. That is actually what's making America damn near implode.
0: I think that's what we need is we need way more people out there willing to educate. And I think there's a lot of people like we've seen through the community of the Second Amendment who are vocal about it, but they're not vocal enough within people outside yeah. of their circle to continue to educate them and say, Hey, when these things happen in the news, instead of having open dialogue and conversations, you know, I know, I mean, cause I do this too, like depending on who it is, whom, if something happened in the news and, and, and someone's going off on their tangent of how much they can't stand this or gun control that, depending on who it is or or the environment that I am, I will shy away from some of that conversation. But when, when we really need to be leaning into that and then providing the education yep. to start getting people, their minds open to realize, too, that a lot of the stuff that's being said to us and shared with us through the media and through everything else is is lies, and it's all about deception. Well, Maj. Right. Really- that
2: deception I can't like repeat it. I I can't, what I don't like as a follower, I don't do as a leader. Mm -hmm. So I can't, in good faith, I, I, um, the American people, you know, if we want to save America, we got to trust Americans. We got to trust that with the right information. And again, this is literally what we did with black guns matter. Just give people the right information, let them, history's there. And the government's given us alley-oops, the Biden administration is showing every single thing that we've been mm-hmm. saying for the last five, 10, 15, 20 years. Yep. Yeah,
1: they're, they're not even showing, hiding it, trying to hey, hide we're it coming anymore.
2: After mm-hmm. They're not even trying to hide it. No, they just no. like, they're just like, just like, hell yeah, we're coming for your guns, Beto. Yeah. Like it's, it's not even. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it just creates this space where the people Come back to us like, yo, I remember I wasn't ready to. I've heard this a thousand times. Yo, when you were saying it early, I didn't really feel where you was coming from. But I'm looking at it now. It's no different than when I was like, yo, yeah, I don't know if y'all want to. I told everybody in the gun community, a good friend of mine, Cheryl Todd, yep. Cheryl and Danny Todd run yeah. yep. AZ, well, they used to own AZ firearms over in Phoenix, right? Good, good, good salt of the earth people, yeah, right? I, love them. I remember during the last presidential election, I told Cheryl Todd, I said, yeah, Biden's gonna win. And she was like, there's no way. I said, dude, Biden's gonna win. They're gonna cheat and Biden's gonna win. And she was like this, and I'm just like, the reason why is because when we get a seemingly, cause Trump was not super great on the pro-gun situation. Sure. He was great for the business of America. But when we get a seemingly pro-gun president, the gun community starts to chill and relax. Mm-hmm. And the anti-gun side, usually Democrat, gets quiet for a while. They lick their wounds. And we were all in this, like, na 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 to the libs. But they were licking their wounds and came up with a plan. They mm-hmm. made an entire COVID regime to get people to induce voting ballot, you know, mail-in yeah. ballots and all of these other different yeah. things. And I'm just like, bro, we had the House and the Senate and we couldn't even get Silencers off the NFA list. So these are the things that like, we just have to make sure that instead of getting trapped in us versus them, red versus blue, it's here's the information. Here's what's good for you as a individual, for your family and your community. Here's when this has not happened. Here's what happened to the people that did not do this. We have all of the historical references and framework that we could utilize and but in order to do that, we have to put down some of the like trying to own the left, dunk yeah. on the left, own the libs. I don't. And and it's been successful for us because I'm just like the libs that are subject to this propaganda are the people in our communities. These are the people that actually you have more of an uh, ability to get their ear because they in your community. Yeah. Then. Uh, arguing against them, you could just share the information. You know, the, the story that I give about, you know, um, if, if, you're, if you're a woman, like, hands down, like, women, y'all got like little cute dainty shoulders and are like, just beautiful beings. And it's like, hands down, a big 200 pound, like I'm 5'10", 5'11", on a good day, right? I'm strong, I'm, I have broad shoulders unless you have something or you insanely train, usually I'm gonna win that physical altercation. Yeah. So if you share that with a woman and say, I want you to have the means to fight off a would-be attacker or would-be rapist to the best of your ability. I don't want you to get into a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, roll-, roll around with this 250 pound dude when you could train on situational awareness, avoid the conflict. And if you get get into the conflict, you have the tool that equalizes that scenario. There Mm -hmm. is no woman that generally, the vast majority of women that you share that information with that way are going to look at that a little bit differently. We don't have to get all of everybody on our side right now. You put a seed in the ground and it's fall, it's nothing. You can water it all day. It's nothing's going to happen until spring Mm -hmm. comes. That's,
1: yeah, that's you so know, true. So
2: we just got to take that long and principled approach in my Well,
1: view. we are so honored that yeah. you took the time to talk to us. We got to wrap up, but c- before we go, can you tell people where they can follow you and find out more information about Black Guns Matter and how they can give or get involved if they want to?
2: Sure. Um, we have, again, all of our classes are free to all. They are crowdfunded. They're free to all by you guys' and gals' donations. Um, to donate, go to giveandgo dot com forward slash solutionary. Um, to check on what upcoming classes, go to our website solutionarylifestyle dot org. Um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter Maj M a j t o u r e on Instagram Big Daddy Toure B i g d a d d y t o u r e TikTok Mr M r M a j t o u r e and if you're going through something, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're going through something, um, you, you you know, you, you're thinking about using a firearm or anything to take life or you're just not going through something, email me, solutionarylifestyle at gmail.com. I would rather listen to your issue than read your obituary, hmm. you know. And so let's just continue to be kind to each other, support the people and organizations that are doing their thing make sure you're wearing alexo athletica (laughs) when you're jogging that's very important
1: well and soon hopefully um, your line when we do your line for maj trey absolutely for
0: sure Uh, well thank you so much yeah yeah, you're the real deal man man. we just
1: appreciate what you're doing and i mean you're out there putting the boots on the ground doing it and and we applaud you and we're so thankful for everything that you're doing so we hope to have you back on the show again pretty soon here in the future yeah definitely there's
0: so much more to
2: talk about absolutely thanks y'all have a good one
0: not Your Average Gun Girl Show and its related companies, Alexo Athletica LLC and Stami Tactical LLC, shares information that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. A reminder that laws vary for each state, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. Any items, services, products, and advice mentioned during the Not Your Average Gun Girl Show should be used at your own discretion, in accordance with your local and state laws, and you should follow applicable manufacturer's instructions. Not Your Average Gun Girl's Alexo Athletica LLC and Stami Tactical LLC
2: cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared.